Welcome to the Weave Your Bliss podcast. I'm your host, Paula Crossfield, a Vedic astrologer, media strategist, and health coach helping you live in your purpose. And that is what this podcast is all about. So let's jump right in to the conversation. Hello, everyone. And welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm super excited to be talking with Rachel Ferreira. She is a certified Reiki practitioner, life guide, spiritual teacher, and she's also an actress, a singer, and a creative. And she loves to help other people who are multi-passionate like herself level up their lives and careers by learning to deeply love themselves, trust their intuition, and follow their unique path. So that's a lot about what we talk about in this episode. Her clients include Broadway stars, TV regulars, makeup artists, event planners, therapists, yoga teachers, and more. And Rachel also has originated a role on Broadway and performed on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and can be seen in the Netflix sitcom Family Reunion. You can find all the details about how to connect with her in the show notes. But some of the things that we talk about on this episode are living in your purpose, of course, what her path has looked like, how she became an actor, how she discovered Reiki and energy healing work and what that has done for her in her life, how energy work is helpful, what kinds of transformations that you can make, how art and healing go together, which is a really interesting conversation really enjoyed talking about that with her. And also just how to hold all the things that are going on in the world, like racial injustice, natural disasters, failures of leadership, like how to hold all of that and take care of ourselves at a real base level. She gives some really great advice for that. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Rachel. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Hi, I'm so excited to be here with you. (laughs) As you know, this podcast is all about living in your purpose. And I love talking to people about their path. So can you tell me a little bit about how you got started with acting? What really made you feel like this was something that was a part of your path? Ooh, okay. Yes. Kind of starting at the very beginning. I, When I was a little girl, I wanted to be an actress. But it's really interesting. I've noticed looking back, I only said that out loud if I was playing a game. Like there was a game I would play with my cousins and you would have to say, my name is whatever your name is. And I'm a whatever you want to be, right? So I would say, my name is Rachel and I'm an actress. And then you say, going to be an actress for all the rest of my days. And in that game, we played that game all the time. And I would always say I wanted to be an actress in that game. Or if you look at my like diaries and journals from when I was really little, I would say I wanted to be an actress. But if I was asked by an adult or if it was at school or something that seemed important or serious, I never said that out loud. I would always say something else like I wanted to be like an author. I think for a minute I said I wanted to be a lawyer. (laughs) That one was short lived. (laughs) But that's what I would always say. And then I forgot got about it. Like, so it was interesting. I, I don't know. I think even as a kid, I could sense almost that that wasn't an answer that would be super um, impressive or that the adults would approve of or celebrate. Right. So I didn't say it when it mattered. And then I forgot that I wanted to be an actress. I literally forgot. And it wasn't until 
So probably I didn't really think about it again after I was maybe eight or nine years old. And then in high school, a friend of mine wanted me to go with her to audition for the school musical, which was The Wizard of Oz. She just, you know, wanted company, wanted a friend. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll go. And I love singing. I'd been singing my whole life. So I was like, yeah, like, I'll go. You have to sing a song. Okay, cool. I'll do that. And I auditioned with her just for fun, kind of to hang out with her. And I got a call back for the lead. And from that moment on, I was hooked. Like, hooked just through the callback process. Oh my God. It's like something just lit up inside of me. I think that like, that's a number one, what made me know it was part of my purpose, part of my path. The light that came inside of me, I had never felt anything like it before. And that continued happening through the process. Yes, through the auditions, yes, through the callbacks, but then in the rehearsal process. And then when we did the show, oh my God, the light got even brighter and like the light inside of me. At that point, I couldn't have stopped it if I tried. I had a completely different plan for my life. <laughs> and and uh, I ended up following the path of acting and I ended up going to school for that. And yeah, I just, it was that light, that light that came into me. So tell me then, how did you come in contact with Reiki? Because you, you know you're also an energy worker. So how did that come into the picture? Because you were you were an actor, right? You were yeah. pursuing that dream, and then this this other dream came in. So can you talk about that? Yes, I'm just thinking about this now. Like I would have not ever predicted that. I didn't know that this was something that existed. This was after I graduated college. Maybe a year after I graduated college, I was really on a journey of. I think I was seeking. I was seeking a point of spiritual connection that felt true to me, that felt like I had access to the divine, to source, to the universe, whatever you want to call it. And it's like I had seen other people have access to that. And I grew up like really Christian and like I went to church, all kinds of churches. And there were things about that that I loved and there were things about that that I really did not like. And but I did see, it seemed like some people were having access to something and I wasn't really like, I was like, whatever you're telling me to do, I, it doesn't do that for me. I don't know what that is, but I very much have always had a belief that yes, there's a higher power and yes, we have access to it. And I had not found my, like my primary point of connection to that. I would find it in moments, but like the, like a consistent, reliable way to connect, right? I would have never at that time not been able to say this in those words, but now I know that that's what I was looking for. That's what I was seeking. I just felt like, I, I don't know, I was looking for something and I read Eat, Pray, Love and she talked about yoga and a silent retreat and some medicine man that like touched her knee or something and knew all this stuff about her. And I thought, yeah, that, I don't know what that is, but that kind of like, that's the thing I'm looking for. And I started exploring meditation and yoga and reading about the chakras. I was just reading. And then I would apply some of what I read. So, okay, I learned about meditation. This is one way you can meditate. Okay, cool. I started doing yoga every day, even if only for 15 minutes. And things started to shift in my life. Now, in these books that I was reading, I kept coming across this word, Reiki. And I was fascinated by this idea of energy healing, which at the time I didn't 
I knew nothing about. And I kept feeling just a pull towards it. And for me, that has consistently been an indicator that there's, that something is here for me. If I feel a sense of a pull towards it, or almost like I feel like a zoom in, a sense of we're zooming in on this. I'm like, well, okay, there's something here for me is what I kept feeling when I would read Reiki. So I, or read the word Reiki. So I finally got a book about that, started reading about that. And I was like, okay, I, again, that light, I lit up and I felt like I need to be trained in this. I need to know how to do this. Just very shortly after I made that decision in my mind, because I didn't know where to do it. Maybe two weeks after I made that decision in my mind, I went to my favorite bookstore. I was living in New York City at the time, and it was my favorite bookstore in New York. And I went there and they were opening a healing center. And the first class that they were offering was level one Reiki training. So I definitely took that as a sign and I signed up and that's, that's where it began. That's right. That's how I started and did that first level, which is all really about self-healing changed my life. (laughs) Amazing. Could you talk a little bit about why energy work is so helpful? What kinds of transformations have you seen in yourself or in your clients? Like give us a more of a sense of what you mean when you say it changed your life. Energy work is, it's really powerful and I'm thinking kind of of two things at once. The the first thing I'll answer is how what I mean when I say it changed my life at that time was first and foremost, the biggest shift I recognized was that my level of anxiety and worry decreased. Like I want to say diminished. Like it was like it went away in a lot of ways. And I honestly did not realize that I was an anxious person until after I did the Reiki training and you do 21. If you're trained traditionally, there's 21 days of self healing first before anything else. And before you're trained to do this work with anyone else, which I was trained traditionally. So I did the 21 days of self healing and I would do Reiki for myself every day. And I would go through these five Reiki precepts or Reiki principles that you learn And you say for today only, and then there's this list of five things. And the second one is do not worry. So for today only, do not anger, do not worry with thankfulness, be honest in your work, be kind to others. I made it a practice to say these to myself in my mind or out loud based on how I was feeling every morning as I was doing Reiki on my body. And My goal was to say them until I believed it. So it wasn't like lip service. It was like I could feel in my body. Because you know the difference between when you know something intellectually and then you feel your body say yes to it, right? I was going for that. I would get to do not worry. I couldn't do it. I would literally say that sometimes a hundred times before my body would be like, Okay, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe for today. (laughs) Maybe for just today, we cannot worry. And I was just that realization alone was very eye opening because it made me recognize how much I was worrying. And then in 
noticing it, acknowledging it while literally having healing energy flow through my body around this idea, that started to heal and the worry started to fall away. So by the end of the 21 days, it was much easier to say, for today only do not worry. And I didn't have to say it a hundred times. And I just really noticed the level of anxiety. A, I was able to name it because I didn't know what felt tight in me. I didn't know why I felt so much tension. I didn't know why things just felt a little bit disjointed in my life and in my world. And what I came to find was a lot of it was based in this anxiety that I was carrying that I didn't even know how to name. So that's one huge benefit is just like the release of anxiety, releasing stress. And the really big thing that I'll say about energy work and why it's important Energy is everything. Everything is energy first. From energy comes matter, right? So everything in the physical world is energy. We are energy first. We have energy flowing through our body. And I like to compare it to a river. So if you have a river, like you want the the water to just flow beautifully, obstruction-free through the river. We want the energy in our body to do the same thing. With a river, if you place a boulder in the river, the water will go around the boulder just fine and it will continue flowing. But if you continue to place boulders and sticks and branches and more boulders and boulders and boulders, like eventually part of that river is going to become stagnant and it's going to become more and more difficult for that energy to flow around those things, right? Now in our lives, we have experiences that essentially cause us to collect energetic boulders or energy blocks. You'll hear them called. This can come from a trauma, big T or little T trauma that you may experience when you're young and maybe we didn't have the tools to process that. So we didn't know what to do. So we just, it's like stored in our body and there's a little energetic block there or for disappointments even that come up in our lives that we don't process or we don't fully acknowledge. And there are just these experiences that happen and we kind of like collect these blocks, these boulders in our energy. And then our energy, just like that river, is not able to flow freely and smoothly. And what happens is that we then start to experience blocks in our lives. This might look like Sometimes it's physical ailments, injuries, illnesses. Sometimes it's high levels of anxiety. Sometimes it's depression. Sometimes it's you're looking at an aspect of your life and you're like, I don't understand. I have learned everything there is to learn about this and I cannot get to the next level here. And I don't know why I am doing everything right. Sometimes it's you're dating the same person over and over, but you know, like in different bodies, (laughs) they come in different bodies, but it's like this like unhealthy relationship that just keeps showing up. That can be a romantic relationship. It also sometimes happens in friendships or like there's a pattern. You're like, people always take advantage of me. There's probably some sort of energy block or energy like obstruction that isn't allowing that aspect of your life to flow in the way that it's meant to. And we have these energy centers, the chakras, the chakra system that are all kind of responsible 
for different aspects of our bodies and different aspects of our lives. And when these are balanced and clear and our energy is free flowing, then we see things start to flow. So we can trace like, oh, okay, so you're having this experience where you can't get past a certain level, for example. We can trace and like do energy work and feel into what is the energetic root of that? What is the emotional root of that? clear that block. And then you just start to see almost like magic. Suddenly it starts working. Suddenly you reach that other level. You didn't do anything physically different than what you'd been doing necessarily, but your energy changed and the things start to flow. I love that. Thank you for explaining that. I think that's really helpful for people to understand that it's not just them. Like the, what the lens that I use is like karma. We're not being punished by our karma. It's like, there are these boulders and that we want to turn into smaller rocks, you know, or whatever. Like we just want to figure out a way to navigate or have our river navigate skillfully. There's an invitation there rather than feeling like, Oh, I've got this boulder on top of my back because I did something in the past. You know, there's the sin narrative that I think people need to like let go of so that we can lighten our load, you know, so thank you so much for sharing that. And so something we talked about, that was really interesting to me was how do art and healing go together? What is their relationship? In your opinion, as an artist, as someone who is a healer who works with clients? What is the connection there? I feel like healing and creativity are like parallel channels. They have a point of intersection (laughs) is how it feels to me. For example, when I'm doing energy work, energy healing, I'm essentially a vessel for source energy to flow through me. And I'm just a vessel that's like directing that energy towards you or towards whoever I'm working with at the time. And then that energy will go to wherever it's meant to go. I, my job as the quote unquote healer is to be a clear channel, to be an open vessel, to be available for that energy to flow through me to wherever it needs to go. Now. I believe that creativity is very similar and that our job as artists and creatives is actually to allow ourselves to be an open vessel, a creative channel. And in the book, Big Magic, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about ideas being their own entities. And they're it's like they're looking for homes. They're looking for a vessel from which to exist, essentially. So if you look at it like that and you think about it like that, you can see, right? Our job is to be the open channel for the creative ideas, for the artistic ideas to flow through. And you might think, okay, yeah, but you have to like develop your skill set. Sure. That's actually just part of building the channel, creating the structure around the channel, right? It's creating the structure, building your skill set, like as an actor, as a singer, as a, as a painter, you put in those hours, you do your 10,000 hours or whatever, and you're putting in those hours to build the skill so that you can actually let go of thinking about the skill, become an open vessel so that an idea goes, Oh, this structure can hold me. This vessel can hold me. 
I can come through here through this person and exist on the physical plane. Amazing. It's so incredible because my husband's a playwright and we were just talking at breakfast this morning actually about the Asian plays. And he was talking, I know very little about Indian style plays, but I know that it is the play, it's theater, but they're actually channeling God. And the people who come there are literally sitting there to be in the presence of God in the human form. So Mm. we were talking about this, how these two things kind of come together just this morning about being a channel. I love that. And it's funny because today before this interview, I was, I was talking to my partner about when I'm having conversations like this, it feels like improv in acting where, you know, in improv, if you, I I am not an improv expert, I wouldn't say, but I've played with it a little bit. I've dabbled in it a bit. You practice improv, but that's not so that then if you're doing an improv show, you go and do the exact things that you practiced, right? It's like you're building the muscle, you're building the skill, like we talked about, so that you can be open, so that you actually just trust what's going to come out of you when you're on stage and people are watching. And I feel like even with conversations like this, which this is more about healing, but it, this is, this is a point for me where it's like healing and creativity actually collide. They intersect. Because I found the best thing for me to do in these conversations is have like this soft awareness of, you know, what's the podcast about? What might we be talking about? But not to plan anything in terms of what I'm going to say. It's like, what do I do to make myself an open channel, an open vessel for this conversation? Yeah. And it makes it more fun for the audience, I think, too, just to be a part of that unfolding. That is my theory about what our purpose is, is is allowing that unfolding. And like that goes in right directly into the question I wanted to ask you about being multi-passionate, being multifaceted, and that being okay. That's something that I talk a lot about with my clients. And I think you do too. It's like, it's okay. You don't have to have one career trajectory, you know, and your career is not necessarily your purpose. So if you could talk a little bit about that too, your thoughts on that. Oh, yes. I just got chills. Okay. So I got chills that your career isn't necessarily your purpose. I think that we are done a disservice as children when we are asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Going back to what I was telling you at the beginning of this, right? Like I didn't say to adults or to anyone that it felt like mattered, like I want to be an actress because it felt like it wasn't enough or it didn't matter or I don't know. It just didn't feel like a real option. We ask kids that all the time. What, what do you want to be when you grow up? And what do we expect them to say back to us? We expect them to say a job or a career path when the question is, what do you want to be? That is like, what do you want to be? Is very close to like true identity. Like, I am the I am. So if you're asking again, what do you want to be? It's confusing. It's confusing because they're supposed to say a job and they're supposed to say a career path. And they learn really early like I did. Oh, when I say this, I get praise. Like when I say doctor, people are like, ooh, that's impressive. If I say I want to be a garbage man, then they laugh. And we learn very early by that question. Your job, your career defines you. Your career is your identity. Your job is your identity, which is untrue. 
But I think that we've been taught this on such a deep level. It's like part of our conditioning and part of our programming, at least in this culture. It's very patriarchal, right? It's like very... Yes. I don't know. It's super masculine, yang energy. Like, yeah, totally. Cause it's like about what you do in the world, how you are productive. That is who you are. That's the idea there, which I just feel is not true. I don't think it's accurate. I don't think it's true. I don't think it's fair to us to believe that. And I think that that is a huge part of what makes people box themselves in or when they have an impulse, you know, maybe they've been on a certain career path and they have an impulse about a different career path or an additional career path or something. They feel the impulse. Maybe they feel that light inside of them. They feel the pull and then they're like, oh, no, 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 I can't. I can't do that. No, no, I can't do that because this is who I am. This being a career path. And this kind of person who does this job doesn't actually do that. And what would people think if I did that? Because we're also kind of somewhere along the way, we're also taught that by the time you're 18 years old, you need to have figured out what you want to do with your life. The one thing. And if you haven't figured it out by the time you're 18, probably you should have some shame around that. Not really, but like that's what we're taught, right? And you need to take that one career path and then like do that for the rest of your day. <laughs> that's the idea we're given. So then we feel like we won't be taken seriously if we do something else. Or there's literally the phrase, jack of all trades, master of none, which I don't, I don't think that's true. I actually believe quite the opposite. I actually believe that every venture that we put our hands in, every aspect of life or career or passion that we choose to explore teaches us something, gives us treasure of some kind that we can take away. I'll talk about my experience. So when I was becoming an energy healer, so I'd already been doing energy healing and then it became very clear that I needed to do this in an organized way. Like I'd been doing it for myself and for friends and family if it came up kind of just for fun, wasn't doing a business around it or anything. And it became clear that I was meant to really do this and help people in this way. And I was a little scared in some ways, a little in terms of, well, what will people think? I don't want people to think that this means I'm not an actress anymore. Because it, especially as an actor, you hear, I talk about this a lot because it's my one of my pet peeves in the world of acting. They say, if you can see yourself doing anything else and being happy, don't do this. Do that. The conventional wisdom. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so helpful. I just hate it because I don't think that it's true. And, you know, as much as I never really accepted that for myself, still, when the time came that, okay, there's this other full-on career path that's showing itself to me, I hear those voices, right? I would, I heard those voices. I heard that idea playing over and over. And I also felt like, practically speaking, logistically, I'm trying to build a career over here, like an artistic career. If I am literally building another career, if you look at this in, in tangible terms, the time I am spending creating my energy healing business is time that cannot be spent creating my acting career. So I'm taking time away from that and logically, rationally, Sure. 
But what I discovered, I really had to work on this. But what I discovered is that every time that I would really put energy into building something in my business, inevitably, I would gather some sort of skill set or knowledge or personal growth that would then enhance my acting career and vice versa. So we have to start to see that multiple ventures actually feed into each other and enhance each other. I sometimes in some ways think we can move move more quickly forward if we allow ourselves to explore multiple ventures, if that's what our soul is calling us towards. If our soul is calling us towards it, that's because it's actually the path of least resistance. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing um, your own process, because I think it's really helpful for people to hear. It's very expanding to hear how someone else comes to terms with having two careers or maybe even more, but it's all coming together Like you said, it's one river. I'm mixing our metaphors a little bit. Did you know that this podcast has been made possible by listener support? If you like what you're hearing and want to support us, go to patreon.com slash weave your bliss. There are lots of great gifts, including a weekly astrology update from me and a monthly live new moon circle. Thanks for your support. I want to kind of change direction for just a second and ask you because one thing that I, you know, I follow you on Instagram and your energy on your feed, I've always just noticed that you are just so joyful and you radiate a lot of joy and really, you know, give so much service to the people who follow you. I think I started following you middle of last year, something like that. And you know, there was a lot going on in the world, like a lot of heavy things. So I'm wondering if you can talk about that, like, how do we hold struggles for racial justice, natural disasters, like all these things that are going on, and stay grounded, you can talk maybe about your own experience. But like, how do you help other people? Because you've said some really powerful things about that. One thing, for example, you said just to say, there's something larger that we need to be connected to in order to be the vessels for change. So talking about you know, as an activist myself, back in my 20s, I, you know, was really trying to change the food system I was really focused on that. And I completely burned out. My whole focus was like, how do we change minds and hearts? And I was like, wait a minute, what about my own personal mind and heart? Like, what am I doing over here? So I just wanted to get your insights on that. It can be really overwhelming, right? When we look at what is physically manifested in the world. So essentially, what we see right now in the world, And when we feel the gap between that and what we would like to see in the world, that can just be overwhelming. And that's okay. And I think a really important thing to remember is A, not one single one of us is meant to make all of this change all by ourselves. B, little tiny bits can help. Just like you were saying, like with the food system, it's like, well, what about me? What I can do like personally. So what we as individuals can do makes a difference. And I think it's also really important to 
hold a vision for what we do want to see. And I get it, right? I get the tendency because when we see something like racial injustice playing out in the world in such, oh my God, like mind-blowing ways, it's upsetting. And it can make us want to fight against that and like push back against it. I also would invite us to explore the idea of allowing something else to pull us forward. So instead of fighting against, instead of what are we fighting against, what are we moving toward? So really taking time and creating for yourself a vision of the world you do want to see. If you could just snap your fingers and wake up in, in the dream, like your dream ideal world, what would that feel like? What would that be like? What are the qualities that you would use to describe that world? And it seems like, okay, what does that do? <laughs> It really, for anything to change, we have to have visionaries. The vision has to be held first. And what we said at the beginning of this conversation, energy is everything. Manifestation, one way of looking at manifestation, and I just simply mean something, the way something manifests into existence is that there is just enough energy behind it. There's energy being cultivated behind an idea in such a strong way that the next thing that that energy has to do is physically manifest. So if you think about anything you've ever wanted in your life, if you didn't have enough belief behind it, or if you didn't just have enough, and if you just kind of were like, oh yeah, that'd be cool. Like that probably didn't happen for you. But the things that you were like, I would love this. And like, you feel joy and you feel passion and it lights you up when you think about it. And you don't have to like hold on to it and grip it, but you feel, you feel energy behind it. Those are the things that happen. So I think it's really important to remember that responding to the pull towards something can actually be much more powerful than pushing against something. I think that's one, one way. And I also think it's really important to get clear on like the, the phrasing that's coming into my mind right now is stay in your lane. What I actually mean by that, there's more coming in around like get clear on your lane. So stay in your lane, get clear on what your lane is. What is your lane? How are you meant to help? And this again, this just circles back to this idea of purpose, right? I'm going to share another story because this was a really big turning point in my world. So back in like 2014, when all of like when black, like the black lives matter movement was birthed with Ferguson and all of that, I was living in New York at the time. I was already an energy healer, but not in as much of an organized fashion. <laughs> I hadn't started my business yet, but I was doing that work more. Black lives, Ma Ferguson happened. Black lives matter movement was going. There were protests all over the place, rightfully so. And please don't get me wrong. I, I do believe that there is a place for protests and I do think that's powerful. I, I think we need those, need the people who, who will like be on the ground in that way. 110%. 
this is something we have to remember. It takes all kinds. It takes all kinds at all levels to create change. I recognized in myself at that time, I was like, there is nothing in me that wants to go to a protest. I don't want to. And that was confusing to me because I cared deeply and passionately about this cause. And I mean, I am a black woman in America. So it felt like, yeah, you should go. Like you should go and you should support this cause because that's the way to support the cause is what it felt like. I'm kind of like giving gratitude to that, that version of myself because I, examined instead of going, okay, well, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do and going, I actually examined the nuances of all of the feelings that I had around it. And what I discovered was, oh my gosh, I don't want to go to a protest because there's a better use of my energy that can actually further this cause in a more empowering way. It's a better use of my energy. That means nothing about your energy, what the best use of your energy is, or what the best use of my friends who were going. Like that might have been the best use of their energy. That might have been the best way at the time that they could contribute to the cause. But what I discovered was that was not the best way I could contribute to the cause. Actually, I would be doing a disservice to myself and others and the cause if I did go. Because what I know about me is my empathic, sensitive nature in spaces like that, I become extremely drained and depleted. Okay, that's not necessarily a right. I mean, that doesn't mean I can't go. But what I realized was if I don't go and I instead stay in my power place, I can from here be like, you know, in a fight... (laughs) Like in an organized fight, like boxing or something, there's like your corner man and like you go in and you fight and you go back and then you have the corner man's like essentially nurturing you, which is never the word they would use, but that is what they're doing, right? They're like wiping your face and giving you water and like also pumping you up and making sure you can go back out there in that fight. But they're like nurturing and pumping you up. If I don't go to the protest... I can be that person. I can be the corner man for all the people who are going and all the people who are doing the on the ground work so that they can show up the most powerfully in the ways that they're showing up. If I do go to the protest, I can't show up for anyone around. I can't show up for anyone like that because I am now drained and depleted. And again, this story is not about what anyone else should be doing. And it's not about protests. It's about looking at a cause that you are passionate about and finding your lane and being okay with what it was because it wasn't easy to be a black woman in America at that time going, I'm not going to the protest. Yes. Thank you so much for telling us that too, because I think this is, there's so much comparison. This is like the biggest issue. I feel like if I had to identify with people actually clearing whatever they need to clear to be themselves because we see so many best versions of other people and we compare ourselves in our like nascent I'm about to get some chicks here at the farm so I'm thinking of like the little chick you know trying to compare itself to the chicken or the rooster it's like it's not fair why do we even do it you know and I talk to my clients all the time about how each of us really is a snowflake like if you look at our charts even if you were born a minute different than someone there is a difference in your charts so the point of comparison then completely falls away there's 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 no use for it what i'm trying to say is like the wisdom is understanding that we each have a unique purpose 
and it's constantly unfolding and it may look like counter to what is expected based on our cultural background. And so how do we get clearer about what that is and and be okay with it? You know, like one of the greatest Indian myths is the Ramayana. Actually, I'm thinking of the Mahabharata. So the Mahabharata is when Arjuna and Krishna are going to war and, and Arjuna has to go to war against like his family, his guru. You know, this is a really big deal in India to go to war against your guru is like a big no-no. So Krishna tells him like, this is just your dharma. You need to just do what I'm telling you because you were put in place for something that's larger than you can even see. You can't see the bigger vision. So you just have to trust me because I'm God (laughs) and I'm your charioteer. It's just like you said, I'm your corner man. I'm going to help you go through this. I'm thinking of that. Like we just have to kind of trust sometimes and kind of soften, like you were saying before, soften, listen, What are your other tips? Because I know you've talked about self-care, self-love, trust, intuition, all of those pieces. One of the things that's just coming up from what you were just talking about, and this is something that comes up a lot, uh, I work on a lot with my clients, is really just starting to recognize the shoulds and supposed tos and noticing When are you doing something because you feel like you should do it when if you actually ask your body or ask your intuition about that thing, it would say, no, I don't want to do that. No, like very clearly. It's really interesting because this seems really simple, right? Just starting to identify the shoulds and supposed tos, but it reminds me of my experience with anxiety after I did Reiki, right? It was like, oh, ha, look at that. I was really anxious. I didn't even know. And I think that there are a lot of us walking around bound by shoulds and supposed tos that we picked up from our parents, that we picked up just from the programming or conditioning of society from school, or just from looking at like the boxes that are created by labels of, of identity, This is how a mother is supposed to be. This is how a mother is supposed to show up for her children. Things like that, right? And this is how a businesswoman is supposed to communicate. So I can't show up in the world any other way. These shoulds and supposed tos that we we are sometimes blind to can trap us. And I feel like that is like that's one of my number one tips. Like if you did one thing to try to align yourself more with your purpose, it's letting go of the shoulds and supposed tos. Because I believe, I talk a lot about uh, stepping into your greatest becoming, which is really about what you were saying, like allowing your purpose to unfold. What I believe is that That's actually about removing things that are in the way. It's not about like, now I have to 
dig deep and find this thing somewhere inside of me. It's like, no, like it exists in you. It's always existed in you. And throughout our lives, we've just been collecting things to cover it up. (laughs) And so it's kind of about unlearning, removal, removing of the energy blocks, removing of the shoulds and supposed tos, removing of the labels. It's removal of the things that are preventing that unfolding. And shoulds and supposed tos are one of the biggest ones. That's one of the biggest trappings, I would say. Just to tie it back into what we were saying too before, it's like so uncreative, you know, to be put in a box and have to do something because you should. It's like so limiting, you know, so like we're becoming limitless. Like we're, we're opening ourselves up to that creative potential. So I love that. It really just brought things around full circle. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Right. Because then that's when we're the open channel for our lives, the open channel for our becoming, for our, our soul's journey. Well, Rachel, I would love to ask you some kind of rapid fire questions just to wrap up here. You know, you can answer these as just simply or more elaborately, however you wish, but I think they're just fun. So what's one piece of advice that has really helped you in your life? The first thing that comes to my mind is just be who you are. Did somebody specific tell you? I heard that phrase come in and I saw my mom and I just feel like I don't even know if she said those exact words, probably at some point, but I feel like just the messaging I got from her in her actions and in her allowing me to speak my mind and allowing me to explore my own existence and identity. That's kind of the memo that I received from the way she raised me Mm. was be who you are. When you're feeling anxious or confused or frustrated, what's the first thing you do to ground yourself? Breathe. I take at least three deep breaths. And if it's feeling really out of control, at least 10. That like deep breathing is one of my favorite healing tools. And I always laugh when I say it because it's so simple and we have access to it all the time. But like 10 deep breaths takes 90 seconds. What's your favorite hot beverage? Ooh, matcha. I've been loving matcha lately. A matcha latte with almond milk. Beautiful. I love it. Same theme. What's your last meal on earth? Okay. (laughs) This is so funny. Have have a dairy allergy and a gluten allergy. Gluten allergy is even worse. And my favorite uh, food used to be pizza. And so I've always said, like, if I just like know I'm going to die, like there's just, you know, no preventing it. Somebody order me like a regular pizza, like not gluten-free, not dairy-free cheese. Give me a regular pizza with some, all the gluten, all the dairy and like pineapple. I'm a pineapple on pizza girl. Give me some pineapple. And like, I, oh, that's the meal. It's so funny because you, I don't know why. You and I both grew up in Oklahoma, which we haven't mentioned here, you know, but I'm a pineapple and pizza girl. I'm also gluten-free, but my husband is a baker and he's got a really good gluten-free crust. You're going to have to come over sometime and he'll make us some pizza and we'll put pineapple on it. Okay. Okay. I'm in. (laughs) Awesome. So tell me about your morning routine. What about it is non-negotiable? Non-negotiable is meditation. That's my non-negotiable. And other than that, my morning practice, my morning routine shifts. There's ebb and flow around it. I find certain tools are more helpful for me at different phases of my life. Right now, it's Reiki every morning on myself, meditation. And then I'll normally like get up, have a cup of tea, pull myself some angel cards, 
to like, you know, give me some, give me some insight on the day. <laughs> and then sometimes depending on how I feel and that day, sometimes I'll go on a walk or do something to move my physical body, yoga or something like that. But the, the one non-negotiable for me is meditation. And that's the one thing that stays consistent through any of the phases. I love it. That sounds like a really fun routine. <laughs> I love the angel cards. You're inspiring me. I'm like, oh, I'm going to pull out some of my cards, see, yes! see what happens in the morning. Tell us about a person who inspires you and why. You mentioned your mom, but maybe another person. Yeah. You know who I'm thinking of is actually Maya Angelou, who I have never met. But um, I was thinking, I see, I was like, I feel like this is supposed to be someone I know. And then I'm like, no, this is who's coming into your brain. Maya Angelou. And I didn't actually know that much of her story until within the last couple of years. I she has a, There's a, a special on Netflix, like a documentary about her. I don't know if you've watched it, but no, I but I want to it. check it out now that you said that. I learned so much about her and I've always felt drawn to her and her poetry and her words and just like her wisdom. I feel like she's just like a wise. I feel like this is that might sound very strange, but I feel like this connection to trees and I feel like there's like wisdom that lives in trees. It's like ancient wisdom, like deep soul wisdom. And I feel like she carries that in her that same energy. And I've always felt drawn to her in that way. And then when I watched this documentary about her and like started looking into her even more, I, I never realized how many things that she did. She was an actor and a dancer and a director and, a, and of course, an wow, poet I didn't and know a writer. That. And a, yes. And I thought, oh, ha, no wonder I'm so drawn to this woman. She is me. I am her. Like there's something about the, the shape of our souls that's similar. And so I just, she's also like a guidance for me. I'll kind of just like tune into her energy sometimes when I feel like I need guidance or courage or bravery, especially related to creativity or artistry. Now you're making me really want to check out that documentary. So I'm yeah. going to. Um, so something people might not know about you. Something people might not know about me is that I am first generation Belizean American and I am... In my family, I have roots in Italy and Spain. Okay, so the next one is what are you reading right now? Okay, uh, there are two things that come to mind. One is Becoming. Okay, actually three. Becoming by Michelle Obama. I read books. I'm not a person who like my, like my boyfriend will pick up a book and just like read that book only until he's done with that book. And I'm like, I have three books and I'm reading them based yeah, on Yeah, like one on Audible, one's on the bed stand, <laughs> one's downstairs by the fire. Yeah, exactly. I, I exactly. What do I want right now? So I'm reading um, Becoming by Michelle Obama. I'm reading Chillpreneur by Denise Duffield Thomas. Really good if you're like starting a business or have a business and you want to just like be relaxed around it. And the other book is Eastern Body, Western Mind, or maybe it's opposite of that. I think it's Eastern Body, Western Mind. It's fascinating. A friend actually gifted it to me. And I was like, I can't believe I haven't read this because it feels very much like it encompasses the work that I do. Like, this is what I do. <laughs> totally. Thank you for those. And we'll put those in the show notes for people in case they want to check them out. Um, last question, something that you are grateful for or that brings you joy right now? You know what I'm grateful for right now? Um, we just redid some spaces in our home. <laughs> we've been reorganizing. We've been creating like so that we have proper workspaces for ourselves because 
you know, we've both been working from home since this pandemic and, and it's very different. And we finally just were like, okay, let's just kind of overhaul our space to function for us in the best way. And that's what we did. And like, you know, where I am right now is my new workspace and I got to paint a wall of fun color. And uh, we have one of my best friend's sisters is an interior designer and decorator. And she is so kind and agreed to help us with this massive project. And she just like beyond, beyond what I saw as ideal, like she took it even further. And I'm, I'm so happy we were working on it yesterday, even more. And so I'm that's, that's very alive. That's what came to me this morning when I was asking myself what I was grateful for. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Can you tell everyone where they can find you and and if there's any sort of projects or things you're working on that you want people to know about right now? Yeah. Um, so you can find all of my healing things at effortlesseasecoaching.com, my website. And from there, you can also find a free meditation if you want to download it. It's a back to center healing if you're feeling off, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling sad or disempowered, you can do this meditation and it will just kind of bring you back. It'll bring you back to center. There are some questions that I ask you to explore. And if you do this a few times, you can also just take those questions and start asking them to yourself in moments when you're not feeling your best. So I highly recommend that. You also have access uh, from my website to my Align and Shine Facebook group, which is free. I pop in there pretty consistently to do live streams and things like that. And I'm also really excited lately about my Align and Shine membership, which is a space I created to really help people to cultivate all of the things that we've been talking about today, to really cultivate like that self-love, that intuition, that releasing of shoulds and supposed tos and have community around it. Because I know in my life, having community and support around the things that I'm working towards is incredibly helpful. So I wanted to create a space for that and for regular emotional, energetic and mindset tune-ups. We meet live every month and then we've got a member's vault full of goodies and sometimes I have surprises too. (laughs) So really been loving that membership. That's on my website too. Awesome. And we'll include those links too in this in the show notes. Thank you so much, Rachel, for your time. Rachel Ferreira, it's wonderful to hang out with you and talk. Thank you for having me. This was just a joy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Weave Your Bliss podcast. We hope it was inspiring for you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a comment for us. I want to thank the team at Team Podcast who helped get this podcast out to you. And also to thank the musicians who were the creators of this beautiful music we're listening to now. It comes from an album, Fragments of a Season, by Alexis Georgopoulos and Jeffrey Cantula-Desma. So check it out wherever you get your music. Have a wonderful day, and we will connect soon on a future episode.